afternoon and evening, everyone. Welcome to the British Blacklist podcast. I'm your host who consistently gives you nothing less than the most, Willem Barzi. And today we're joined by a very special guest. This one I have for my salon fan them. I'm going to throw a couple of statements out there. And I just need you to respond by saying you're not lying. Is that all right? Uh, me? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry, guys. I caught off guard with this. So if, if I am lying, you'll let me know. <laughs> but I don't think I am. So, okay, while the rest of us were setting out and making banana bread, she kept it cultural and was chefing up beef skewers. You know, lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me try one more for you. When everyone tried to switch up and start making Madeira cake, she kept moy moy on the menu. You didn't lie at all. <laughs> that's two for two that's two for two so without further ado we have the woman who brought you your favorite west african cookbook head chef founder influencer social media content creator and ebook extraordinaire my kevin bob lucas everyone thank you oh i've never been introduced like that thank you (laughs) you're gonna have to get used to it so how are you doing today i'm good thank you how are you not too bad. I've been waiting for this all week, so I'm feeling even better now. Yeah, no, um, we go way back, in case your listeners don't know. And it's just so cool to see you doing this, because I just remember you as a little boy. So, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, funnily enough that you mentioned how we go way back, because um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of lockdown, I was craving Sierra Leonean cuisine. And my mum just wasn't in the mood to cook that day for whatever reason, you know. I respect her wishes, she wasn't in the mood. So, <laughs> using a handy tool called the World Wide Web, I tapped in Sierra Leonean cuisine, not expecting to find much because I've never actually done it before. And the business that popped up was yours. And upon delivery, I found that it was a long lost family member who I hadn't seen in years. So yeah, I just wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit about your catering company, where the name come from, your role and what you specialize in. Okay, so I'm the head chef and founder of Afrinape. Afrinape is a combination of African and canapes, which is how my company began, as you said, from Sierra Leone. And we have great, like, small chops, like, snacks and things, but we don't, in my opinion, always present it in the best way. <clears throat> so that's how I started my business, because I just thought, I want to make canapes, Sierra Leonean, um, West African-influenced canapes that look nice, essentially. And I've gone into more cuisine now because people have sort of requested it so it used to start off as sort of like Accra, puff puff now it's like big pots of jollof fried rice moe moe like you said and it's just been going from strength to strength and like you said there's people at home that either can't be bothered to cook or are just craving West African flavours and yeah I guess I've been a big help in this lockdown especially. We interrupt this broadcast for a shameless social media plug Michael, before we go any further, where can people order your book and request your services? Yay! Okay, so at the beginning of lockdown, um, I created the ebook, so that can be found on Amazon. So just look up Afrinape or my name, Michael Bob Lucas, and you'll be able to find a um, ebook that just shows you how to make a few of my canapes. Also, you can buy the book on my website, afrinape.co.uk. We can also find other products and on socials at Afrinape. So half African, half canopy, A-F-R-I-N-A-P-E. There you go. So if you guys don't get any further, you're going to get at least up to that point. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to make sure you do this book some justice. Thank you for bringing us all of these free samples. They taste amazing. No problem. I'm glad you Oh, she it. actually lied. Guys, it's a podcast. 
I just wanted to test that she didn't bring me nothing. I'm going along with me. I'm trying to be all professional. <laughs> that's poor. That's poor. I'm, she's normally a very honest woman, but today I don't know why she decided to lie. We so didn't you, have a single free sample. <laughs> you tasted my food before, so I know that you're actually telling the truth that you've tried it anyway. So I do love your food, and that's why I'm more upset that there aren't any free samples. But moving on swiftly. <laughs> so um, your ebook, um, which is the Ultimate West African Dinner Party, has some amazing recipes. Where did you learn how to cook and what are some of your earliest memories in the kitchen? Because for me, I remember helping my mum with scotch eggs and being the, you know, the best food taster in the land. (laughs) So my mum taught me how to cook. Um, She's an amazing cook. She's actually a professional cook in as in Western food. So she's actually got her certification in that and the heads up, well, used to head up kitchens back in the day, um, but also just an amazing Sierra Leonean cook. And the tribe I belong to from Sierra Leone is the Creole tribe, which we're, we're okay at cooking, but my mum used to have a lot of friends from more of the indigenous tribes who actually knew how to make like the, the deeper rooted food. So she's got a lot of influence from them and yeah, ultimately taught me. So yeah, that's, that's how I learned how to cook my amazing mum. Oh, shout out to mom. Moms are amazing. And yeah, I guess she didn't, char- she didn't charge you either, no? No, no. <laughs> well, what's funny though, you saying that you helped out in the kitchen. Growing up, we never actually cooked because my mom was such an amazing cook. She didn't really allow us in the kitchen. So whenever we did ask to cook, she'd be like, oh, well, in Creole, go and cut the onions, go cut the yabas, which we hate. <laughs> so I only learned, I actually really learned how to cook when I went to uni because I was just craving the food and home was a long way away. So I just used to call mum and be like, oh, how do I make okra soup? Because you get tired of, you know, English food. You get tired of making fried rice and jo- like I was probably the only uni student that put on weight because I just was cooking all the time. But yeah, no, I actually really got into my skills at uni when I had to cook. But when I was at home, I didn't really cook, to be honest. That's funny that you mentioned that because every time I've attempted to cook, I don't know if this is a Sierra Leonean thing, if it's a women thing, shout out to all the queens out there. Whenever I try to cook, my mum is just peering over my shoulder, just making sure that, oh, no, no, you, no, 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 no. I'm just critiquing me to the point where I said, you know what, I'm just going to stick to toast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even blame. To this day, even though I've had this business for, this is the fourth year, my mum's still like, make sure your stew is not got too much water, make sure. And I'm like, mum, I run a whole business now. Like, I know how to cook, so. (laughs) They're never going to let you grow up, are they? They're not, they're not. But I love it. <laughs> my earliest members of your organizational skills um you probably don't even remember me remembering this but i remember that you organized a surprise party for your parents um, one of the kids and invited all of the aunties and uncles around uh-huh. i just want you to speak on the impact of sierra leone party culture and what that had on you growing up i did not grow up in london so i'm from a small town called Crawley. so african par- parties was where i really learned about the culture because for example, I was the only black girl in my whole school. So during the week, I was like one person. The weekend was when we got to wear like our um, African print. We got to eat the food at parties. Like obviously my mom cooked at home, cooked the African food at home, but going to Sierra Leonean parties, you'll hear the music, you'll eat the food, you feel like the culture, they'll have like society things where I didn't even know what all that stuff was until I went to these parties and went and visited Sierra Leone. So, the, the Sierra Leonean culture definitely impacted me and definitely 
pushed me kind of to go into this because our food is amazing, but sometimes it doesn't always look great. And that was just what I wanted to do. I wanted to keep the food authentic because I don't want to anglicize it or anything. I just want to make it look pretty essentially. So definitely I love a civilian party and I'm so annoyed that we're in lockdown because I miss them. <laughs> no more tutu party. No more. <laughs> Bring back the whole party. <laughs> Bring back all of it. <laughs> now that's that's an amazing um insight into like what um enticed you to like follow this career further. Um, I know you can't give away all of your source, no pun intended. Okay, a little bit. I worked on that one, <laughs> but um, this is something that um I'd love for you to speak on more. I know mm -hmm. some people with amazing talents who haven't yet found the confidence or avenues to try and manifest it into the world. How did you go, go about turning your cooking from a hobby into a career? Once you realised that you were good at cooking, how long did it take for you to decide to share it with the world? I think I should, at this point, shout out my friends. I have amazing friends, as well as family, of course, but my friends really pushed me into cooking. So at uni, a lot of my friends, they were like West African, but not from Sierra Leone. So some of the dishes they hadn't tasted before, so they used to sort of gas me like oh my gosh what is this like love it teach me how to cook it and um, so that was probably the first point where I thought okay maybe I've got some skills here and then when I got into the corporate world sometimes like people bring in cakes some people bring in I don't know biscuits I'll bring in jollof and everyone just be like oh my gosh like from the Africans to the Caucasian people like the Asian people are like what is this I don't know what it is but I love it so that used to gas me and they used to be like can you give us recipes so I used to literally at work be writing emails like add some Maggie add some this <laughs> so that that definitely gassed me but when I started working also I just didn't find it fulfilling I was like I've been at uni all these years now I'm just sitting behind a desk so for those of you that don't know, I am also a contract manager. I work in sort of procurement. That's like my day job until this really blows. But I don't find it that fun. So I was like, I need to do something that I feel fulfilled in. And my friends were pushing me there. Like, I think you've got the skills. I think you've got the pizzazz. You could do this. So a printer is like four years old now, but I had the idea probably six years ago. And I just was procrastinating. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a Virgo, if anyone knows our qualities but <laughs> I procrastinated I was like it has to be perfect it has to be the then one year my cousin was like I'm turning 25 you're making the food and I was like oh I'm not ready I'm not ready and she was just like if you're not ready now you never will be and I did it and everyone loved the food and I was like okay that's it I'm gonna register the company if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it properly and I'm gonna do it well so I went down the proper routes I made sure I've got my kitchen approved I did all the health and safety um, certification and the rest is history Wow, I wasn't expecting all of that. <laughs> I thought you were just going to be like, I knew I could cook. <laughs> and I just thought, you know what, let me just get right into it. But just the fact that you had to go through the process of validating it amongst people that you trusted, people with like a strong palate, even taking it to work, because as you said, our food isn't known. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself about the presentation. Um, Because I was actually going to say that I've never felt like presentation has been a top priority with our food, as in the African Caribbean culture, has always been about flavour, the emphasis on flavour. Yeah. Yeah. But to be honest, I haven't eaten African food outside of a house setting, outside of when I ordered from yourself. Yeah. So um, your Instagram always shows West African food in such an aesthetically pleasing way. Why was it important for you to make it look nice as well as taste nice? Well, naturally, people eat with their eyes. So even adverts on TV, you probably have never tasted the cuisine, but 
you just want to because you they make it look so aesthetically pleasing so I studied all of that I looked at sort of MS food I looked at weight rose I just looked at all the sort of top food companies and just thought what do they do and how can I incorporate it into my food so as much as I do sort of West African inspired canapes some of them are just canapes I've looked at elsewhere and thought how can I make that more African and I just take the ideas and make it into my own so yeah that brings me on to your creativity because somehow you managed to keep up with all of the latest trends um, and incorporate them into food I saw somehow you managed to get the busset challenge to work with a rolling tomato and I was just like okay this is <laughs> she's taking it to a new level this is definitely something that I need to see more of um, how important has social media been to the growth of um, Afrinope? So it's been amazing. I can't be more thankful for social media. I would say probably 80% of my business comes from Instagram and Twitter. So I've... No love for Facebook. No, I'm trying to get more into Facebook. Do you know what? I used to Facebook <laughs> back at uni. So it feels like such a an old world, but apparently that's where it's at now. So I'm definitely trying to tap into that more. If anyone's got any tips, please let me know. But um, yeah, no. Social all the aunties and uncles are still there. That's the thing, they are. So um, no, I'm definitely, that's something I've said this year I need to get back into. But um, yeah, being on social media has been amazing. Some companies that I never would, would have even dreamed of have got in contact and ordered from me. So like the big sort of marketing company, Mediacom, I've catered for them twice for their Black History Month. The British Consular, I've done some food for them. Even Kalechi Okafor, she ordered some food for her son's first birthday. So definitely social the power of social media has been amazing and I'm so grateful for it and I just think it's important to keep in, in touch with what's going on to make my page more engaging and up to date because people lose their attention span quickly so I'm just like what can I do today and I, sometimes I wake up like I'm gonna do a busset challenge with tomato today I'm gonna use a yam and do something like sometimes it's not planned sometimes like, it's just on a whim but yeah social media I love it I just love that um, you're able to access a different part of your mind because um, with your job, like you said, it, has, it doesn't maybe give you much scope for creativity. Yeah. Uh, in that sense, I guess what you studied at uni doesn't necessarily put you down this path either. So yeah. this is just like a labour of love that we're seeing like, manifest. And it's just beautiful to watch, especially when you hear the background, you just assume that everyone who does all of the social media stuff did like a graphic design course or yeah. is some tech whiz. But you can obviously train yourself up to be that which you've done you handle all the social media stuff yourself I do oh, I'm the cook I'm the cleaner I'm the creative director I'm the marketing like I I wear all the hats and I just look forward to the day where I can delegate because as much as I think I'm superwoman I'm not so <laughs> help is required but for now while I'm growing I wear all the hats <laughs> I was going to say, I, I definitely disagree with you not being Superwoman, but you know what? Because <laughs> when, when I first heard that you were starting your catering company, I was so happy. Like, I guess I heard about it in reverse. The food came, then I started asking around and then they're like, yeah, she has a catering company. And then I was like, this is so cool. She's giving people from other cultures the chance to try Sierra Leonean dishes, West African dishes for the first time. And then my sister was like, it's a catering service for everyone. I was like, wait, including Africans. And then I got a bit worried because... As you know, like the aunties are super critical. They won't hesitate to tell you, you know, get pepe, you know, get pepe, which basically means it's not spicy enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I admire your bravery. What is it like serving 
food to people who know what the food should taste like. The thing is, like I said, as much as I concentrate on presentation, I also love the authenticity of our food and I don't intend on changing that. So the way I make my food is exactly how my mum taught me how to make it. So I don't think it does taste any different. And if anything, a large percentage of my customers are retired old ladies, like Sierra Leonean ladies, and they order from me like, Every two weeks, big bowls of like cassava leaves, okra, bitas, or gussi, some people call it. They're like my best customers and they're just blown away. They're like, you're so young, I don't understand. And you and you were brought up here. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to change our food. I don't think it needs to be changed. Our food tastes amazing. I just think it could look prettier. So, okay, let's take your mind back. Hopefully it's not to a dark place, but your <laughs> business is thriving. You're catering for more occasions with each passing day. A friend of pays becoming financially rewarding venture as well as, I guess, emotionally. And then this panduru, pandurondon, this pandemic hits and everything that's deemed non-essential stops. Weddings, parties, social gatherings. What were your first thoughts? Panic, of course, because I think last year or beginning of last year, was the point that the word was get, getting out. The thing with food is word of mouth. You, like you can put all the prettiest pictures up as you want, but it's all about word of mouth. People need to tell other people about you. So I think I was getting to that point then, especially after Kalechi ordered from me, it's like everyone sort of knew who I was. She mentioned me on her podcast, which was amazing. Like love your Kalechi if you ever listen to this. But I did go into a bit of a panic, but then I don't know, I think the universe, I'm quite spiritual, so I believe in the universe and, you know, what you put out is what you get back. And I kind of just thought, what can I do at this point? And that's when the idea of the ebook came into mind. I never thought about um, writing a cookbook before then, but then I was like, okay, some form of income would be to write a book. I don't really have the capital to print them, but I could do an ebook, that's free. So I did that and that was amazing. I got some good feedback from that. And then I started my delivery service. I didn't have that before. I began it, I've got all the stock required to do a delivery, so all the packaging and stuff. And I've never been so busy, honestly. The months of, I think I began in June last year. My God, I was in the kitchen constantly. But it was so rewarding because I just thought, wow, people really want to eat my food. And despite the pandemic, they're willing to order it to their houses. So it was a real boost for me. And yeah, no, I can't lie. The pandemic, if anything, has been helpful. It's helped me push myself to do things that I never thought I would do and just learn as well. I've learned how to use all these different platforms just to push my company. So yeah, I, the pandudu hasn't been too bad for me. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been doo-doo, no? No, it hasn't been doo-doo at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the transparency because um, like I read one of your tweets and I remember, and it states um, before March 2020, we did not have a delivery service, an ebook or physical book. There's always new opportunities and adversity, blessings in the skies. So I just love the fact that it can come full circle. And what you're saying now is what you're putting out to people on the social media, that there's no personas here. This is the same I care that we get in both places. And I know that I joked about the whole banana bread thing at the beginning of the podcast, but mm -hmm. cooking has really become such a therapeutic outlet for a lot of people during the lockdown. I know that you cook for a living, but is it still a form of escapism for you? And do you still get fun out of it? I think my boyfriend enjoys it the most. <laughs> I feel like when I cook for other people, it's very rewarding. For myself, I still I still throw it down for myself because obviously I've got to eat well, but I'm probably not as fast as much as, much as before. But 
I, I think it's just so rewarding for me cooking for others. So I, I much prefer to do that, to be honest. If I could cook that well, I'm cooking all the time and I'm eating all the time. <laughs> so that's very selfless of you to think of others and we appreciate that. Oh, um, a wasteland to think about, so, you know. <laughs> Um, lockdown has caused um, many of us um, to be isolated. But in the Black community, I don't feel that sense of detachment as much. With mm -hmm. everything going on in the world politically and the tragedies that we've seen over the last few years with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Shukri Abdi, the side effect of bringing us together and closer, I see that on your platform. How important is it for you to support Black business? And do you feel that support with your business? Oh, definitely. Especially since the whole Black Pound Day thing and all of the stuff going on in the world. Also, as much as there's horrible things going on in the world, I think I purposely try to ensure there's only sort of positive things on my page or very food orientated things because it's depressing. Like already the, the, the pandemic is depressing enough, but just seeing all this stuff going on, I didn't care to hear or see. I even stopped watching the news. So I think it's so good that I can unite people on my page through positive images, if that be my food or just me doing something silly in the kitchen. So no, definitely. <laughs> No, it's working because it's definitely an escape for all of us and we do feel connected and we're all going to support you as much as you support us because I'll yeah. only ever see love for the black community whenever I look at your at you like as a human so you're, you're an amazing chef but also a boss a young black woman with her own business yeah. built off of the back of hard work and determination this platform is also built off the same fearless energy of black queens who'd had an idea and backed themselves could you speak on what it's like to have ownership of your own business and the importance of being in the driving seat of your own destiny? It's rewarding. It's fulfilling. I feel like I'm leaving a legacy now. Even, I hope like in 50 years, 100 years, people remember my company, remember what I did, remember that I was able to sort of unite, not even just the West African community or just Africa, others, like I said, I cater for non-African people, Asians, and they love my food. So I'm honoured to be able to do what I do. I thank God daily that he gave me the, the skills to be able to do what I do. So I love being a boss and I look forward to the day that I can quit my nine till five and do this full time. <laughs> <laughs> Even your vision itself to bring West African food to a wider market was years ahead. I know that you've seen all of the videos on social media about people going out and buying fufu for the first time. They're late to the party. We've been eating fufu. <laughs> Are you a fufu fiend or a part-time fufu enthusiast? I'm a fufu fiend. If it was up to me, I'd eat daily. I love it. Like, at United Civil Union, fufu is a Saturday dish. But sometimes I have it on a Monday or a Tuesday. Like, I love a bit of fufu. <laughs> but like I said, my waistline, I can't be doing that all the time. <laughs> That's right. You can keep making it for us. That's right. <laughs> I'll be honest. I had an agenda when I brought you here. I'm not proud of myself. Um... I'm, I'm nervous now. <laughs> What's the but, <laughs> I don't want this to affect any of your political connects and your business relationships. So tread carefully. But I've actually brought you in here because I wanted to settle a debate. Right. Which country makes the best jollof rice? I knew it. I knew it. Do you know what? I've visited Senegal before and theirs is amazing so I'm gonna be I want to sit on the fence and just not even say any of the countries that I know you're thinking and I'm gonna say Senegal because they Senegal and Gambia used to be one country and apparently Gambia or Senegal were the first to make jollof so that's what I'm gonna say that's my answer and I'm sticking to it shout out to Senegambia we know our history here <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> okay cool and on that note you know what 
I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I did. I did want a little bit of drama here, but you're above it all, and I can see that you're media trained, and you've really shown me and put me on my place with that question. So I apologize for even asking it. <laughs> you gotta keep it calm. We don't want don't want no issues. And <laughs> um, on that note, before we let you go, I've got some quick fire questions for you. Okay. A book that you have in your collection. You can plug your own book, or you can mention another one. But a book you have in your collection that's helped you get through some tough times that you recommend to others. My book, yeah, I think I'll plug it here. Um, <laughs> it was uh, a labor of love. It it has some of my favorite um, canapé recipes in there, and I'm just proud of it. I didn't think I'd ever produce something like that, and you should all read it. <laughs> read it and try out the recipes. Where can we find it again? I forget. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, Amazon for the ebook and my website afrinapay.co.uk for the physical version. That is an amazing choice of book. I can say I've read it myself and I actually have it right in front of me. And I wanted to ask a song or album that defines the soundtrack of your life to date. Ooh, oh, my life to date. Do you know what? I don't think any album particularly speaks on my life, but it reminds me of an era. So I'm a massive fan of Usher. So maybe like 8701. That just reminds me of summers growing up in, in my teens. So maybe that, I don't know. I've never been asked that. That's a really good question. <laughs> to be fair, they give me these questions. I can't take any credit. <laughs> Shout to the producers. That's actually a very good answer. Um, they need to stop okay. putting Usher's name in the verses with Trey songs. It needs to stop now. We've had enough. Yeah. It is disrespectful. It's very disrespectful. <laughs> I thought you were going to pick a seat at the table, but by Solange knows. But you know, never mind. Not everyone's that witty with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Yeah, that's, I don't know. I do love that, but yeah i'm going to stick with usher <laughs> okay cool shout out to mr raymond yeah and then a, a film or tv show that you'll watch repeatedly no matter how many times it's on oh god you're gonna laugh at me mrs doubtfire is like one of my favorite films i know oh, i love that film <laughs> i know the script i know everything like i love that film doesn't matter how many times i've watched it it does not get boring for me uh, rest in peace to Robin Williams and see and people in the course people deadbeat dads but that man literally transformed himself to get closer to his kids oh man I'm, I'm too passionate about it I need to uh, I love it in. you love the film as much as me I love it <laughs> and then um someone or group of people who inspired you my mom and my nan like they're bosses like my nan had a catering company back home in Sierra Leone back in the day um and she's just a boss herself um, and my mum she I always call her Jane of all trades like she's a professional chef she's a pro professional hairdresser anything my mum puts her hands to she's amazing at so she inspires me all the time love her to bits and we see that it runs in the family because um, you inspire us as well what has made you sad mad and glad this week we always end on glad so that you can bring your mood back up but sad mad and glad sad probably just hearing more about this COVID, like just the thought of being locked at home for longer and all of this rubbish. I, I just hate hearing about it. Mad. Mm. Donald Trump, like just, he's an idiot. And all of this rioting that happened at the White House, uh, that's made me mad actually, the rioting that happened at the White House. Anyhow, that was black people, they would have all died. But because it's white people, they even helping them come down the stairs and the police like just ridiculous that made me mad that was kind of last week but I'm going to bring it into this week and um what made me glad what made me glad oh uh, one of my customers 
she her daughter like so like I mentioned earlier I have a lot of sort of um older customers she ordered from me her daughter ordered from me for her birthday for her mum's birthday so the daughter messaged me saying oh my mum loved the food the presentation everything so that already I just love getting natural feedback without asking for it so I really loved it then the mum got my number from her daughter to call me and say like no I had to call you your food was that good I'm so proud of you like she's like I'm gonna be a long-time customer now that warms my heart so that definitely made me glad what a beautiful way to end it um shout out to your own creation which is a frilly jam if I'm not mistaken Yes, yes, a frilly jam. Something so, I just made up and now I sell it because everyone loved it. So thank you. So yeah, so get that as well. That is not in the recipe book, right? Is that a, is that a secret? Yeah, I can't be giving away everything, you know, Will. Can <laughs> <laughs> pick up a jar on my website at frinafe.co.uk. So <laughs> feel free. <laughs> Love that. I'm from one Sierra Leonean to another. Thank you for helping to put our food on the map and allowing for everyone to taste a bit of Sweet Salon with your cookbook. Thank you, I, I feel honoured, thanks. And I'm just gonna keep pushing it. Sierra Leonean cuisine is amazing and I hope you can all try it at some point. <laughs>